I know there was uh, one person who's not part of this homecoming uh, physically, but I'm sure that Mr. Adamson is here with us all in spirit too. He was, after all, Mr. Watson, known as the teacher. Be the front man for this uh, amazing band. Um, well, well, I've done it before. So uh, I um, sang a gig for them not long after Stuart died uh, in um, in Holland, uh, a fan club convention, and sang about half a dozen songs. And uh, they were all sort of rare, big country songs like Eastworld and things like that. And um, it was fantastic. And there was some talk of it then, but I felt it was far too raw. To, to think about it then and, and, but we've all stayed in touch and we're all good friends and I toured with Big Country on the last two tours as well and I met the band in the early days when we were all grouped together in the Celtic rock idiom and uh, so it just felt now was the time to do it, it was the, the right time to, to bring it about and, uh, and uh, honour Stuart. Yeah and, and how did you get to be, was it Bruce that called you up? Bruce and, and, and invited yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, Bruce called me. I was uh, climbing in Snowdonia when he he rang. Originally, it was going to be just to do a few numbers. That's what they asked me to do, uh, a tribute sort of concert somewhere. And uh, and then uh, then it quickly changed into a tour. But I was quite happy because uh, I, I've always loved big country and been a big fan and seen them as much as anyone's ever seen them probably. And um, and so uh, I was very happy to, to take up the role and I love Stuart and it was a great way to honour his memory because I, I felt like with the, the way he died and the act that he took, the route that he took, um, it cast such a big shadow over his life and, it, and it, it was almost, that was what everyone thought of it. He first thought of Stuart Adamson was, was, was tragedy rather than all this great music he'd left behind and the fantastic band he was in. So for me it was an opportunity for just to try and heal that process and turn it around and make people remember the great things and allow the fans to come to gigs again, go to the website and, and see it in a positive light rather than something that's maybe you don't want to talk about because it's too painful. So let's try to bring, bring it beyond that. But, you, I mean, you do mention Stuart a lot yeah. uh, through the gigs. Um, do you, do, you, do you struggle with that yourself emotionally at the not, time? Not, or, or do sometimes, you, yeah, you know, especially at the beginning. But, but um, I, I love Stuart, so, you know, and that's why I meant... You, you can't do a gig like this and not mention Stuart. You can't pretend that what's happened has, uh, doesn't have any impact on this. It does. It's, it's massive. Every fan coming through the door at the moment is thinking, well, should I be here? You know, is this being disrespectful to Stuart or... Is this something that he would want? And I, you know, and I, my job is to kind of uh, try and smash that all down and say, yeah, it's absolutely vital that we're all here. It's important for Stuart and it's important for Bruce and Mark and Tony and it's important for the legacy of Big Country. Yeah. Um, I know you say this through the gigs, but um, can, you, can you tell us for the, for the Australian fans out there how you actually met Stuart? Yeah, well, I, I was a um, big fan of the Skids and loved Stuart and, and Richard Jobson as well. And uh, and I did see them live in London once. Um, but uh, And I actually saw Big Country as well before I met Stuart as well. Uh, because I was a fan, I heard about this new band he was starting and went to see them play in London 
uh, and it was a fantastic gig and uh, I heard Fields of Fire and that just blew me away and uh, and then um, I went to, as a guest of U2, was on stage with U2 at the war tour in Hammersmith Palais and Bono introduced me to the stage and I came on and uh, grabbed a guitar uh, ready to play Knocking on Heaven's Door which I taught U2 to play the night before in Brighton and um, and then Bono com comes over to me on the stage so I'm going to bring Stuart Adamson up for Big Country as well and uh, he introduced Stuart and Stuart came out of the audience and uh, I helped carry him up on you know took his hand to bring him up onto the stage and that's the first time I touched him and uh, and um, and we sang Knocking the Heaven's Door on the same mic and with Bono and uh, and then as we went off the stage, you two went up the stairs to the dressing room and Stuart and I went to the side of the stage and all the fans came out to talk to us and we stood side by side signing autographs and we both realised we supported Man United and uh, <laughs> off we went, our friendship had begun. Yeah, awesome. Um, how do you feel about the, uh, the the audience response? Is it something you expected, uh, or is it more? No, I, 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 it, as I said earlier, it, I wasn't. Um, I didn't come into this with any any preconception, other than that uh, I I felt I could bring something to it. You know, just to bring everyone together as the main uh, act that I felt I could uh, conjure up in this situation and uh, and um, I, I thought it was uh, very, very early on I said look I don't want to stand in the centre of the stage because the, the lad sent out a stage plot you know and it was like Mike in the middle he's thing I said that, that's Stuart's place you know I, I'm going to stand over here and uh, and then Bruce put it quite eloquently and he said really the audience are centre stage now they're, they're, they are the representatives of Stuart so we, we just I thought as long as I stay off to the side sort of like master of ceremonies really rather than the star attraction uh, to me I, I'm just kind of like bringing everyone together at this point bringing the band together with the fans and kind of acting as a third party in the middle if you know what I mean that that wasn't directly affected by what happened obviously Mark Tony and Bruce and Ian Grant as well the manager you know Stuart's um, passing affected them massively and, and, and all the fans uh, you know it didn't stop the alarm working and didn't stop my life but it affected all their lives everyone who's a big fan with big country there was no more records you know but for the alarm it's it's gone on so I felt that uh, through knowing big country fans as I do that all come to the alarm gigs that they deserve to have their night with their band you know we sang in a big country at alarm gigs and the fans go mad and and uh, and you could see in their reaction and in the t-shirts that were still being worn at alarm gigs that there was so much love and respect for the band but it was there was a shadow over it as I said earlier and uh, so to me it was a chance to lift that and here we are talking about Stuart Adamson mm. and we're not talking about just the tragedy of his life but we're talking about the great songs we're talking about the great guitar player yep. we're talking about the relationships he had so we're moving on and I think that's a really good thing and that's all I ever wanted my role to be in that and then if something else comes from it in the future as things develop then great if there's some fairy dust to be sprinkled on this whole thing or Stuart Adamson blessings come from above which in a way they did you know because uh it was weird when I was touring with them in 2000. Um, you could tell that things went 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 right. You know, Stuart was was into the country music 
scene in Nashville and the sound checks, the band were rocking out and then Stuart come and it kind of go more of a country vibe and, and you could sort of feel it was the tension, there was the, you know, his alcoholism that he was struggling with that was always hovering about, which although I, I didn't realise that was a, a problem until I actually went on the tour bus with him and then I found out that he was an alcoholic, I had no idea. So that was a, a shock. And, uh, but uh, Stuart was, he was, would talk to me on the tour bus and say, I don't know how long I could carry on this, but I think the boys deserve, you know, I don't want to let the guys down. So, you know, would you consider stepping in for me? Uh, uh, and I, I just thought it, he was crazy then. I did, but maybe, maybe he was contemplating what was going to come even at that point. So as all these things keep coming back to me when I, when I interact with the band and play the songs, I get flashbacks to memories of times with Stuart, times with the band. Tra you know, I went to Germany on their last European tour as a member of the band. I travelled in the tour bus. It was big country and myself, I was in the next bunk to Stuart and we travelled every day and it was an incredible time. And um, so in a way Stuart wanted it to continue even then and uh, he encouraged me to go and have a rehearsal with the band and just see what would happen. And I went along with it because I thought I was just keeping it together for them at the beginning and maybe that they'd find each other again and the fact that Stuart was living in Nashville, the band were all living in Britain. Uh, I understood how much of an impact that distance has on a band because that was one of the main tensions we had to deal with in the alarm. Two of our members went to live in America and the distance, it's very hard to break that down when you've got, you've got a song and you want to try it out the next day and well, someone's an international air away. It's very difficult and that breeds tension and that, you could see that was there in big countries but I thought if I, if I could keep the band going a bit longer and help them, their friendship which was still intact as, despite all the trials and tribulations a band has to go to that have been playing for 20 years, um, it was, that friendship was still, they could see it every night they went on stage and even when they were off but um, distance was, was muddy in the water so I felt the little bit of time they could have come through that but sadly events got in the way so here's a chance to to maybe you know put some of that right now you mentioned that uh you've got your own projects uh with the alarm yeah you're you're with doing some gigs with big country as well mm. and you've also battled with your own health problems how do you do it all <laughs> uh well I I, it's hard at the moment um but, but because uh, you look like you've got so much energy <laughs> yeah well 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 uh, it to me, I, I've been to the brink of of life uh, twice, you know, and uh, been uh, in '95. I was given a, only a 60% chance of surviving lymphoma, and then uh, in 2005, um, I was I had to contemplate having a stem cell transplant, which I still do because I was diagnosed with leukemia. And um, <clears throat> so, to be put in those situations where your life, uh, my life, was in serious danger, and um, my doctors denied I stayed alive, but. I managed to survive a treatment and had a, had a basic, uh, a, a, an incredible reaction to the modern treatment and it was the drugs that I had with chemo basically saved my life and, and uh, I had a 100% positive response to a drug that some people only get, say, a 5% response to. I have a drug called rituximab and it basically, it was as if it designed for me, it was, it was like the perfect drug for me. And uh, so that meant I didn't have to go through stem cell and all the things that would have changed my life dramatically. I, I've uh, been charmed in that way. I was supposed to have two uh, 
her stem cell transplant some by luck and a bit of insane <laughs> maneuvering I've been able to avoid that so I've got my life which I was an instant from being taken away from me so I just want to make the most of it I've got two young boys I had to fight hard for them and go, have all the you know assistance in technology to get that and uh, so I'm very lucky I've, everything I've dreamt of having in life I've got and uh, it's not been easy but I've got it and I don't want to waste it and uh, I want to make the most of it and pay back everyone who helped me live the life I live. So Stuart's words stay alive mean a hell of a lot to you? Well absolutely you know when I was having treatment I would take my iPod in and I'd hear those songs come on and I'd, I'd think about it and that they were the two words that symbolised big country to me and, and they mean a lot absolutely. Certainly not au revoir Stuart Adamson the Poro Man!